Like many of you this week, we've been continuing to process what's going on in our nation. We've been continuing to grieve and lament with you and pray together. We've been continuing to have conversations. We've been continuing to search within and repent. We've been continuing to educate ourselves and speak out. And I think one of the encouraging things that I've seen is to see so many members from our community choosing to engage. For many of you who are speaking out for the first time, for the many of you who are giving and taking action and educating yourselves. In fact, many people from our community are attending the protests and standing in solidarity with our black brothers and sisters. Even people like Joanne, who in our Slack channel posted a great list of resources of ways that we can get involved in our fight against racial injustice. And the thing I want to say to you today, church, is that I am so, so proud of you. I'm so proud of you for not looking away, but choosing to engage as uncomfortable and as difficult as it is for choosing to speak. And for those of you who aren't speaking, but are taking time to do the work within, educating yourself, having conversations, listening. For those of you who are giving and really engaging at the moment right now, I am so, so proud of you, church, for choosing not to look away. And I think right now, more than ever, it's important that we continue to engage. And so my challenge and my encouragement to you, church, is this. Let's continue to engage even after the swell of emotions die down, even after this stops trending. Let's choose to engage in our fight against racial injustice. Now, many of you know that we are in a series of talks called Essentials, and we're talking about how essential prayer is to the life of a believer. And actually, we've covered a lot of ground. We talked about wasting time with God. We talked about intercession. We talked about singing prayer, imaginative prayer. We talked about praying scripture. In fact, I need you to talk back to me right now, church. Weigh in on the chat which practice of prayer was particularly meaningful or impactful for you? Was it singing prayer? Was it imaginative prayer? Wasting time with God, intercession, praying scripture, whatever it is, I want you to weigh in on the chat. What practice of prayer was powerful and moving for you? And actually this week, I am going to preach a message that I was preparing last week before we shifted, but I believe it's so timely and so prophetic Because today I'm moving us out of the realm of private personal prayer. And I want us to talk about communal prayer. And the area of focus I want us to hone in on today is the power of prayers of agreement. All right, y'all ready for this church? We need this now more than ever. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you awaken our hearts to see the beauty of prayer, not just in our individual walks with you, God, but in the life of community, in the power and the unity of your church. And right now, more than ever, we need your church to stand united, to be in agreement, and to focus our prayers and our faith in particular places. And so, God, would you speak to us, would you awaken us, and would you dive us deeper into your heart? We love you in Jesus' mighty name we pray, we say, amen. I think you don't need me to tell you that our world is so broken right now, that there are black lives being unjustly murdered on the streets, that cities are literally on fire, that communities are grieving and raging, people are suffering and dying, our nation seems more divided than ever. 
And on top of all of that, we have this pandemic that's going on. We have not forgotten about that. And for many of us, it seems like 2020 is handing humanity the biggest L in all of human history. And don't even get me started on the murder hornets that are invading the United States. Don't get me started on, I just read on the news that Yellowstone, the volcano might erupt anytime. It's crazy. It feels like there's so much going on in our world that's wrong, that's broken. And I think it could be so easy for our souls to drift into the place of hopelessness. It feels like our prayers are barely scratching the surface of heaven. I don't know about you, but lately for me, my prayers, it's felt like it's been how long, oh God? How long until you move? How long until you make things right? How long until you come? You know, last week was Pentecost Sunday. Um, 2,000 years ago, as the disciples were gathering and waiting for the gift that Jesus promised them 2,000 years ago on Pentecost Sunday, God pours out his Holy Spirit on his disciples, and that's the day the church was born. And we saw that it was a united, praying church that was a source of healing and revival for the land. Now, Thinking about Pentecost, and especially thinking about Pentecost Sunday, um, I was reminded that in 1906, as racism and segregation were plaguing the nation, it was a black minister named William Seymour who God used to spark what's known today as the Azusa Street Revival. You know, they started holding these revival gatherings where people were getting saved, people were being baptized by the Holy Spirit, and they were packing out buildings. People were getting healed, and God was moving. And I think what's significant about the Azusa Street Revival, especially in in thinking about Pentecost, is that at the height of the Jim Crow era of segregation, these revival gatherings brought together people from all sorts of different backgrounds, black, white, Asian, Latino, Native American, immigrants, the rich, the poor, the educated, and the illiterate. And in the outside world, people were segregated more than ever. The nation was divided, but it was in the church that all of these different people were brought together. And it was in the church what flowed from these revival meetings was a new wave of social justice, was a new wave of people caring for the poor, was a new wave of revival that wasn't just spiritual tingles, but that actually began healing the world. And it reminds me now more than ever That I believe that only a united church can heal a divided nation. And now more than ever, my prayer has been, God, would you do it again? Like what you did in the Azusa Street Revival, God, would you do it again? Would you wake up to the church to be the church that you've called us to be? Would you use the church to show the world what unity looks like, what justice looks like, what healing looks like? You know, I posted this week on Instagram this thought that I've been having about 2020. I really believe that 2020 is deconstructing the Western church as we know it. For example, this pandemic has revealed our over-reliance on Sunday programs and our love for consumer-driven Christianity and the recent deaths of, of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Ahmaud Arbery. 
have revealed the church's historic apathy and complicity with racial injustice. Now, I firmly believe that it is not God's heart, it was not God's will for these tragedies to occur, but I do believe that he is a God that takes things that was meant for our destruction and turns them for our good. And the thing that I've been praying for 2020 is that the, go- the good that God brings from this year, the good that God brings from these tragedies is a church that looks more like the church that Jesus died for. A church that's more about programs, more about people than, than about programs. A church that stands for racial justice. A church that stands with the oppressed. A church that looks like the church that Jesus died for. And I've been praying, God, would you wake up a church that would lead the way in social justice? God, would you wake up a church that would lead the way in racial restoration? God, would you wake up a church that would lead the way in loving our cities? And I tell you what, nothing is more powerful than a united church. There is power in unity and there is power in agreement. I remember last Easter reading a news article about this church, I think it was in Texas, that they chose in that season of Easter, instead of promoting their Easter gathering and trying to get everyone to come to their church, they decided in agreement that we're going to focus on this one area. And what they did is they raised money and their goal was to cancel medical debt for their city around them. And they ended up spending $10 million, canceling $10 million of medical debt for the community where the church was located. See, there's something powerful about a united church in agreements moving together towards a common goal. And seeing a church like this in Texas cancel $10 million in debt shows me that a united church can actually move mountains, can actually heal the nation. I think this past week, this past season, the nation has shown us the power of agreement, the power of a collective voice. It's because of the nation's collective outcry over the murder of George Floyd that these four officers were finally arrested. Now, I have to say, it is an injustice, an absolute injustice, that it took a national outcry, that it took social media trending to get them arrested, that it took a national outcry and a trending hashtag for step one injustice, and not even full justice has been served yet. But the point that I'm trying to make is this, that there is power in the collective voice of our nation that is moving us closer towards justice. And I believe it will be the collective voice of our nation that will move us towards the destruction of racial injustice. But as powerful as the nation's collective voice is to move earthly government, how much more powerful is the collective voice of the church to activate and release the authority of God? In Matthew 18, 19 through 20, Jesus tells us again, Truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. There's power in our collective voice to the world, but there's also power in our collective voice to the heavens. Agreement in prayer 
releases breakthrough. You might have heard this illustration before, but they found that one ox can move and pull 2,000 pounds by itself, which is huge. But two ox put together have the ability to move 15,000 pounds together. 2,000 alone, 15,000 together. There's something special about, about believers coming together in agreement that moves heaven in an exponentially greater way. That is when we come together and we focus our prayers and our faith on a specific area, it releases breakthrough in ways that we could not otherwise know praying and believing alone. Lasers. Because obviously I'm an expert on lasers. But from the little that I know about lasers, lasers are essentially beams of light that on their own are relatively harmless. Right? You remember um, QZAR and you know, all those laser tag games? Those are lasers. But when you focus thousands of seemingly harmless lasers on one single microscopic focal point, those collective focus of lasers has the ability to even cut through something as thick as metal. What this tells us is that when we are able to focus on one specific area, our faith and our prayers, our movement, our voices to the world and our voice to the heavens, that there is an exponentially ripe atmosphere for breakthrough. One of my favorite stories this season is uh, someone from our community uh, community was praying for one of their family members that was stuck abroad with everything going on. They were praying and believing and and trying to see this thing happen. This person shared with us during one, um, one week, and we came into agreement in prayer for breakthrough in this area. And it was crazy because that very weekend, as this person had been praying for so long for there to be breakthrough for their relative to come home, that weekend after we came together in agreement with prayer, finally that person got approved to come back. This is the power of agreement, church. There's something that happens when we gather together and we focus our prayers and our faith on a single thing. God moves. And you know, this is why all those people, especially believers who are shouting out all lives matter, need a ungodly slap from God Almighty himself. You know, when Jesus leaves the 99, you probably have seen this circulate social media, but when Jesus leaves the 99 to go after the one, he's not saying that the 99 don't matter. Of course, the 99 matter to Jesus, but they're not the ones in danger right now. And they're not the ones being murdered on the street. They're not the ones being oppressed right now. The one is. And so what if the 99 weren't spending all of their energy crying out to Jesus saying, what about us? Don't we matter to you? How powerful would it be if the 99 were setting their hearts on the one, doing all they could to make sure the one was seen and heard, doing all they could to make sure the one was safe? What if instead of crying out to Jesus for themselves, they're pleading with the heart of Jesus to go after the one? You know, like the gospel teaches us to do? This is the power of agreement. 
So when we say Black Lives Matter, we're, we're pointing our collective focus, our collective voice, our collective prayers on one single area. It's not to say that the other areas aren't important. It's just to say that right now, this is what's important. And there are moments in history where Holy Spirit has put his finger on something and the church decided to pay attention and say, this is the thing Holy Spirit is putting his finger on right now. And I believe right now we're in that moment. Right now, how we respond, how we engage to the prompting of the Holy Spirit is going to bear witness in the years to come of how much the church cares and how much the church is willing to move with Holy Spirit right now. The church needs to focus on that one area that Holy Spirit is putting his finger on. And I believe that fight, that area, is a fight for racial injustice. And right now, I believe the church needs to unite on this front. Because I truly believe that nothing but the gospel of Jesus could fix our broken world. This past week, Krista and I attended the San Francisco protest, the massive one on mission. And it was so beautiful to see the collective voice of our city crying out, saying, we see you, our black brothers and sisters, and we stand by you. We march with you. This fight is not just your fight. It's our fight, too. And it was so beautiful to see that collective voice reaching out to the nation It was so powerful to see so many people standing together, so many different people coming together in unity and in agreement. But I do want to say this. There are moments in the march, in the demonstration, in the protest, while the majority of it was so beautiful, there were moments where I thought, this is so good, this is so beautiful. But there's moments where I thought, this is not completely it. I said it last week. And I'll say it again. Our hope is not in earthly government. Our hope is not in a system. Our hope is not in a movement. Our hope is in Jesus. And I think this is the tension that we're going to have to wrestle with in the coming days. Because we as believers know that nothing satisfies human depravity and brokenness completely. But the blood of Jesus And I think during this season, the tension that we're going to have to wrestle with is that we could so easily transfer our hope from Jesus to the things of this world without even knowing it. And I think as beautiful and as effective as the world's social justice movement is, we know that only Jesus has the power to truly bring justice to our world. This doesn't mean we stop engaging with social justice movements. This doesn't mean that worldly movements aren't doing beauty and actually advancing the gospel in ways the church has been neglecting. It's not to say that we stop participating. It's not to say that what they're doing is wrong. It simply means that in our souls, we must remember not to place all of our stock, all of our hope in the world. But to remember that our hope is in Jesus and that he is ushering in a kingdom that no earthly kingdom could establish. That no earthly movement could establish that only Jesus, only the gospel has an answer for. And so the tension that we're going to have to wrestle with in the days to come is to remember that yes, the world is leading the forefront right now. And I think the church is playing catch up to what social justice looks like. 
But we have to remember all of our hope is not in these movements or in the world. Our hope is in Jesus. And I really believe that God is doing something right now in and through the church. I remember in previous social media outcries for racial injustice, seeing the murders of other black figures, even over these past few years, I think one of the discouraging things Krista and I found were all these pastors that we were following, majority of them just happened to be white, who had great influence, great power, were completely dead silent when these things would happen. But what's interesting right now is to see so many of those white pastors who were silent in the past speaking out right now and repenting, but not only speaking, but reorienting their church to engage with this instead of looking away. I see more believers speaking out now. I see more believers having conversations. I see so many believers taking action. And I see a church that's repenting for their apathy and their complacency. But here's the thing. We have to remember that repentance isn't just a momentary action. Repentance happens one month from now when the hashtags aren't trending and the emotions aren't swelling and the temptation to fall back into apathy and silence and looking the other way happen. But we choose instead to continue to engage and actively pursue justice. Repentance happens one year from now when social justice isn't sexy anymore and we still choose to be a voice for black lives. See, repentance isn't a momentary action, but it's every moment after, even after the emotions stop swelling, that we choose to actively engage and move forward. I think talking to many of my black friends this week, there's a conflict that many of them are feeling that's going on within them. And I think the conflict is that on one hand, they're so glad that people are beginning to speak up. People are beginning to acknowledge there's a real problem. People are beginning to get involved, to take action, to educate themselves. But on the other hand, they're skeptical Because they wonder how long these same people who are so fired up right now will keep it up. Will continue to care after all this stops trending. Will continue to check in on them even when black people aren't dying on media. Who will continue to educate themselves when it's not cool anymore. As one of my friends told me and put it, we have to remember that this is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And racial injustice isn't going away after this. We have to continue to fight for a really long time. We have to be committed that even when all of this dies down, that we continue moving forward and continue engaging. I want us to look back to Pentecost again. and We're going to wrap up soon. But if you remember, after Jesus resurrected, he spent 40 days with his disciples And before Jesus ascended to heaven during those 40 days, he promised his disciples that a gift would be coming that would empower them to be the church that he's called them to be. And so Jesus ascends. And what do the disciples do? They begin gathering every single day. They gather together and they pray waiting for Jesus' promise to be fulfilled. In Acts 1.14, they all join together constantly in prayer along with the woman and the Mary and the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. They did this for 50 days 
until on the day of Pentecost, as they were gathering and praying together in unity and agreement, that Jesus finally released the gift of the Holy Spirit that he promised them. Now, why is this significant? Here's the point. They were saying, God, we're going to keep gathering. We're going to keep praying. We're going to keep crying out. We're going to keep coming together in agreement until you give us what you promised us. And even though it was only 50 days, I believe that all of these disciples wouldn't have stopped crying out even if it went to the end of their lives. Now here's the question. Are we willing to continue raising our collective voices in agreement until we see justice? Are we willing to continue crying out in prayer until we see God break through and release the justice that he promises us in his word? You know, right now, Krista and I are listening, studying, and learning ways that we as a church can continue to fight this fight after it stops trending. And I think we want to embed, hear me church, we want to embed rhythms in the DNA of our church that help us continue our fight against social injustice, even in the days to come consistently, continually, because this is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And as the early church waited, and in their waiting, they gathered together, they prayed, and they cried out, and they took a posture that said, we will not stop crying out. We will not stop coming together in agreement until we see what you have promised us. And I believe right now, more than ever, the world needs a church that's willing to say, my black brothers and sisters, we will not stop coming together in agreement, in prayer, in crying out, in action, until we see justice, until we see racism's effect on our nation broken. This is the power of a united church in agreement. And we need that now more than ever. As a church, we must continue to raise our voice to the world and we must continue to raise our voice to the heavens in agreement. One of my favorite animated films that I shared a prophetic word about a few weeks back, Horton Hears a Who, that I just feel is so timely for right now. If you remember in Horton Hears a Who, um, there's a, basically a people, a, a small collection of people that live on this tiny speck of dust that only Horton, this giant elephant, can actually hear. And there's this moment where no one believes that there's this tiny community that's living on this tiny speck of dust. No one could hear them. No one could see them. And they're about to prove, there's a scene where they're about to drop that tiny speck of dust into this giant this giant boiling pot of acid or something and they're about to destroy it because they don't believe they can't hear they can't see and so all these people in whoville they're crying out we are here we are here and their collective voice is trying to break through the sound barrier so that people could see them and not destroy them but it's not breaking through and they realize that one person was not speaking out one person was not crying out But as soon as that last person starts crying out, we are here, and all of a sudden, everyone in agreement, in unity, 
and their collective voice finally lifted up, finally breaks through the sound barrier, and they realize, oh my gosh, there are people who are here, we can't destroy them, and finally, they're saved. And I think that's so prophetic of our time right now, that we need every voice in the church to cry out to this world and to cry out to God, to the heavens above. That there's power in our collective agreement, in our collective voice to really break through in the atmosphere in ways that the world cannot. And so right now, we need to be that church in unity. We need to be that church in agreement that joins the chorus of voices, the symphony of voices that's crying out for justice and equality. And so this week... I want us to continue focusing our faith and our prayers on this one area. I want us to continue praying in agreement for God to break the chains of injustice in our world. I want us to continue speaking out and adding to the collective voice of justice in our world. But I also want us to continue educating ourselves, continue listening to our black brothers and sisters, continue searching within, and continue to take action. And so I want us to focus our collective attention, our collective voice on this one area, crying out for justice, crying out for God to move. But second, I know that for many of you, life didn't stop. That some of you are still in the trenches of unemployment. Some of your family members are still sick. Some of you are still battling depression. And for those of you that are wrestling with other things as well, I want you this week to invite agreement into your life. That is to say, I want you to find other believers who will stand in agreement with you for that area where you need breakthrough, whether it's in your own life or the life of someone that you love or care about. And so this week, I want us to stand in agreement against racial injustice. I want us to stand in agreement for one another and the breakthroughs that we each need. And there's two practical ways, because I know y'all love practical practices, two ways that I want us to practice prayers of agreement this week. The first is this. I want you to hop on a call or a Zoom with two or three other people that you know. And I want you to spend time sharing about your experience um, navigating this, this topic for many of you that's new, this navigating this topic of racial injustice. I want you to talk about what it's been like, what you've been learning, what you've been experiencing, what you've been hearing from God. I want you to share with one another, two or three other people, and I want you to, to process together and to share your wealth of knowledge with one another. But secondly, I want you to pray together in agreement for God to break the chains of injustice in our nation. I want you to pray together in agreement that black lives matter. I want you to pray together in agreement for God to move in our nation and to move within our hearts. But the second practice way, this could be a bonus, and I want to say this with a giant asterisk. The second thing that I want to challenge some of you to do is to Go on a prayer walk with one or two other people. And I, I want to hear me, church. This is not, I want you to continue to practice safety, continue to practice social distancing. You need to stand six feet away from each other. You need to wear masks. But I want you to take a walk in a non-populated area, a prayer walk where you're walking together and you're doing one of these two things. You're talking about what you're 
experience with racial inequality and injustice has been like in this season. I want you to share what your experiences have been like, and I want you to pray together in agreement for God to move as you're walking together. Or secondly, I also want you to pray for one another and things and areas where you need agreement in your life. And I really believe that as we do these things together this week, that we'll see power and breakthrough release in ways that we have never known before. The power of agreement of a church that stands together. And last, one thing that we're doing collectively as a church is on Wednesday, we're calling a day for fasting and prayer for this specifically. I want us to fast Um, I want us to fast and pray against racial inequality and injustice. I want us to spend the day fasting. And, you know, you could fast a number of different ways, but I'm challenging you to a water fast, that you don't eat anything, you don't drink anything but water that entire day. Of course, if that um, is hard for you and if it's not good for you health-wise, please don't do it. But for those of you that are healthy and able, um, I want us to water fast that entire day. You know, the Bible says that there are some chains that can only be loosed by fasting. So I want us to fast together that day. And then at 8 p.m. on Wednesday night, we're going to do a Zoom call, a church-wide prayer meeting, where we're going to fast and we're going to pray together for this very thing. And we're gonna, the way that we're going to pray is how we did it a few weeks ago. We're going to pray scripture together. But also, I want to experiment using this amazing prayer platform that Echo developed called Kindling, where basically it's a prayer generator. And you could find a link for that in our resources in the notes section. But I want us to practice praying scripture and praying kindling prayers as we collectively agree on God to break the chains of racial inequality and injustice in our nation. And so church, can we do that together? Can we stand together in unity? Can we come together in agreement to say black lives matter, to say that injustice cannot continue to prevail in our nation? Can we come together in a collective voice? And can we continue to do this in our marathon run as we continue to move on in our lives and say that we will not stop praying? We will not stop coming together in agreement. We will not stop voicing our voice to the nations and voicing our voice to the heavens until we see you breakthrough. Can we do that, church? Can we come together in agreement and see the kingdom of God move in our lives and in our world? I believe we can, and I believe we're going to do this thing together. And so let's do it, church. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Today we affirm the words of scripture that where two or more are gathered in your name, that you are there. And that when we collectively focus our attention, our faith, our action, our voices, our prayers toward one single focal point, that there is exponential atmospheres for breakthrough. And so we pray right now as one church in agreement that we want to see your justice released on this earth, God. We want to see you break the chains of racial inequality and injustice, God. We want to see you break the chains of racism in our nation over the hearts of our people, over the hearts of our communities. God, we want to see you move and we come together in agreement as the early church did not cease to pray and to to gather and to cry out, God, we commit to say we will not stop until we see your breakthrough. We owe that to you and to our black brothers and sisters not to stop, even after the emotions stop swelling, even after things stop trending. And so, God, would you awaken the church in this hour? 
we plead the blood of Jesus. We admit that we need you, that only a united church can heal a divided nation. And so, church, would you awaken the church, God? Would you collectively unite us in agreement to see your breakthrough released? We love you. We honor you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.